Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. Well, hello. Thanks for stopping by for downloading our program podcast entitled, Where Are We Going? It's a provocative question that I think a lot of people are asking these days about life and the times and, and, and just where things seem to be going in the world. And that's the reason why we started this podcast, because as here at Spirit Watch Ministries, we certainly believe the Bible has a lot to say about that. Uh, I'm Rafael Martinez, a minister in the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and I'm glad you took the time to listen in. Now, this podcast is one of the services of Spirit Watch Ministries, and, and we're an outreach of discernment in our deceptive world that has been ongoing since 1993. And you can learn a lot more about us uh, at our website, spiritwatch.org, and keep up to date using our Facebook and YouTube links there on the page as well. There's also our Spirit Watch Unchained blog we've maintained for, for a good number of years where we also provide updates, and, and a link to that is also provided on our homepage too. And so, and while you're at it, uh, we'd love it if you'd invite all your friends, your enemies, maybe mothers-in-law, uh, your neighbors, and everyone all points in between to also listen in. See, we're always looking for new audiences, and, and, and we'd appreciate it so much if you'd help spread the word about, about the where are we going podcast? Uh, we just joined both Amazon and Google to help distribute our podcast. So we're hoping it's going to have that much more impact, uh, as well as some of the other places that we're currently marketing, uh, the, the podcast at. It's, the, and as I said, it's, it's devoid to providing biblical perspectives on the ongoing plunge of the world into the darkness of spiritual deception as foretold by Bible prophecy and the history of fallen humanity itself. Now, in this week's episode, we want to continue to bring to your attention yet another sad and yet all too familiar episode in the history. And that's of the impact of a, of a movement that we've been watching for a long time called Remnant Fellowship based out of uh, Franklin, Tennessee. It was headed by the late Gwen Chamberlain Lara, who helped found it back in 1999 uh, as an offshoot of her success that she gained with her uh, well-known Way Down Workshop. Uh, faith-based diet plan, which she developed in the 80s and 90s. Now, she came quite quite uh, well-known that way, and at one time had uh, well over, uh, like, well over 160 um, uh, denominations involved with it, uh, churches hosting her, her, her shop, her, uh, her workshops and all kinds of things. She had appeared on, on, play, on t- television stations, uh, had appeared in Larry King Live on ABC's 2020, um, had, a, a, had her Way Down Workshop book was a bestseller. Uh, she was a happening thing in the 1990s. And then uh, things began to change rather quickly. And so uh, who we're having on today is, is another guest uh, uh, person, another guest we're having uh, to kind of share what their own experience were with that. And uh, we've been talking about the Xenos Christian Fellowship uh, for the past several weeks, uh, simply because Xenos is certainly becoming a, a, another 
uh, one of those chapters in human history where, where uh, religion and abuse just seem to be uh, strange bedfellows. And, uh, but the Remnant Fellowship, um, uh, is kind of a newcomer, yet it's in its own unpleasant way. It's become a, a very, a very, uh, um, a very vibrant one in its own dark way. And, uh, our guest today is, is Betsy Miozzi. Betsy and her husband Steve were, were, were among some of the, uh, first, uh, I think, I think you could say that, or, uh, Betsy, I think you guys are some of the first people to join Remnant as it became Remnant as the church was getting started. And uh, I want to I want to welcome you. Thank you for coming to our to our uh, our podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's good to, it's good to see you again. It's been so long since we last spoke, and uh, so we'd like to give you the look in the floor to kind of share what your story is. But maybe give us a little bit of a bio. You know uh, how how you know how when were you in Remnant uh, and uh, and and what and basically you know how did you get involved there? Well, we started in '99. And I got into it because Steve is uh, overweight, and he wanted to lose weight, so he kind of got me involved in it. And it wasn't too long after that where she came out with the no trinity, or her trinity statement. And um, we stayed for a few more years, and uh, it got a little hairy, and uh, we had to go. Mm. Right. And you had quite a bit of wandering to do before things kind of settled down. So that's that's typically uh, the experience of a lot of people that uh, come in and out of places like Remnant. Uh, you know, that's that's unfortunate, but that's a chapter we're gonna kind of get ahead of ourselves there. So, uh, so you got involved basically through both you and Steve got got involved through uh, coming into a way down workshop class. What was that like back then? Uh, I mean, this is before the crazy really surfaced in Remnant. What was it like to be in way down back in those days? You want to it? It was different. Mm-hmm. Not your typical church service, right? No, 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 not church service at all. Yeah. But it, it wasn't as crazy as it was later on. I mean, you were in groups of people at the church you, you attended. Right. You know, so you were, you were within friends, and we were all experiencing experiencing it, to, you know, for the first time together. Right. So, you know, and then you actually saw some results that were positive. Mm-hmm. You know. Great. And uh, you know, after a few years, you had to figure out why everybody, as soon as you stopped the class, you start gaining weight again. And, of course, that was because, you know, the world was full of sin and you had to get close with people who didn't want to sin anymore was basically how she put it. Right. And welcome to you, Steve. Good to hear from you, too. It's good to hear you. Yeah. So, so continue. So, uh, so, so, so at that point, you, you got, you guys got involved in it through a local church and everybody there were your friends and, and, and family and, and, um, there are people who were all going into this new experience together. So you guys were actually in a very, uh, you know, a very typical, very ordinary way, uh, of, of encountering a, basically a, a new kind of, uh, new kind of thing there. So it was, it was within the church. And and so, uh, at what point did you start entertaining the, the the point of actually getting involved more in terms of uh, actually uh, going to uh, going to uh, and uh, to Nashville 
and becoming part of the Remnant Fellowship itself. Because it said the 99 is when you join, and that's about the time Remnant really took off. That's when she actually founded the fellowship. Uh, and by the way, your testimony, of course, explains all this, but to those who, who never, who've never prepped, been to our website or read it, maybe you can share with us how, how that, how you move from that point, from, from this being a, 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 a study or, or, a, or a, a, wake, a workshop in your local church to actually becoming, um, full-blown members. How, how, how did that, that process take, kind of pair out? We went to a conference in Columbus where she had one of her big thing to do blended and um we talked afterwards and we were directed to the Gadsby which were not didn't live too far from us and uh so we met with them and um we started home church at their house. Okay. And that was a remnant that was a that became a remnant chapter, right? Yes it did. Okay. But you know basically Everybody in the yeah. church, church group would see the weight loss go down in the class, and then after class, <laughs> people would put their, you know, put some of the weight back on. And I was desperate. I wanted to find the final answer. And right. basically, you know, she was dangling that carrot in front of me, and I followed it like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say you were an idiot. You just felt that this was probably the best choice for you, you know? Would you, yeah, I, mean, I had seen some success, you know, and, and yeah. all the other diets I tried, I had not seen any success. So, what was your total loss? I had lost 135 pounds at one point. Wow. Wow. I lose 50 more. Yeah, I still it wasn't enough. Wasn't enough for them. How do they? How do they decide? Maybe you can share with. How does anyone in Remnant who is supposedly overweight? How do they arrive at whether what their ideal weight should be? What's what's the process like? I mean, that just seems to be such a very very powerful tool of compulsion that Remnant uses against uh, members to get them to comply with with some arbitrary standard that's probably different from person to person. How do they arrive at that with you? I think it's basically how good you look in a tux or a dress. You know, I mean. If, if, if you if you fit their Barbie and Ken mold, ah, yeah, you know, for their parties and stuff, then they wouldn't bother you. You know, and that's the hypocrisy you would see is people who really didn't have a weight issue could have all kinds of other issues, but they were let you know that was okay. But you know, you could have a five or ten pound uh, gut or something like that, and they were on you constantly. Wow, you, know, you did. You didn't fit their picture perfect for their all their festivities and their you know all the things that went on at the mansion and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what you were supposed to serve, like I mentioned before. Then you had to serve and not do anything. You mm-hmm. just served them. You couldn't eat. You couldn't drink. I bartended. He cooked food. He couldn't eat because he needed to lose fifty more pounds. Wow! Really. So how did that happen? How, how did you guys get into that position? How did you end up becoming basically free labor for them? What well, was we showed you know, in Nashville, I forget what. I think it was after Yeah, I forget what thing was we were there for. And uh, Ted, uh, Anger basically pulled me aside and he said he thinks I, I gained uh, five pounds or something like that, and I needed to repent. 
What? Get out yeah. of here. So they were really watching. They really watch you uh, as a, as that yeah. man. Yeah, five pounds on a, on somebody who was down to two hundred and thirty five pounds. You know, I you know that's just mind boggling. Wow, unbelievable. So so there's, at this point, like I said, and like I said, your your testimony kind of you know gets into where you talk about how you you end up going back and forth from from where you lived to to Nashville to just kind of check it out, and then they were of course were working on you to really come down there. What what was said to you to lead you to think that you know moving from where you lived in Ohio back to uh, the Nashville to the Holy City of Franklin? Uh, what what was said, or what was what kind of uh, reasoning? What kind of what, what did they actually say to actually get you to really make that kind of decision? It was to come down there and to live down there and work with them and pretty much be their puppet. It's, it's you know basically where you know the Bible talks about the, for the remnant to come out from among them and uh, you know things like that. You've had to you know. Be around the same mindset of people, and uh, otherwise, you know, sin gets into the world, and sin gets into you, and you okay it, and so it's a cult, you know. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a cult, and it still uh, messes with my mind today. And what opened my eyes was camp. Camp was camp was something else. Now, what is this camp? Like, like there was a camp? storm one night. She had us on our faces on the concrete in the pavilion because somebody in the remnant did something wrong to cause that storm. Hmm. She actually, I mean, you're not the, of course, I've, I've heard of this, this, this episode for quite a while. So apparently this is something that she started pretty quickly and started to actually teach people that uh, bad things were about to happen was because of sin in their life and they need to repent. And so she got it away. Yeah. 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 Wow. So that was something that they started pretty quickly. You know, as I've been sharing here on our podcast in the past, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it. You don't, you don't have to, but one of the things that I'm really, uh, really hoping to show is, 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 is show that cults do more than just have bad doctrine or, uh, you know, or they, they may have actually very, very harmless looking doctrine, but it's how they treat people that really makes a difference. And one of the things that keep people in cults is a process called cultic mind control. And cultic mind control, um, is a, um, is a process by which you control people's behavior by controlling their thoughts. And one of the ways they, that all, uh, cult mind controlling cults do one of the one of the one of the techniques is is something that's called mystical manipulation. It's when they they stage or they take charge over and explain some miraculous phenomenon uh, as as a display of divine power. And that's exactly what Gwen did. You know, that's, that's the same thing for her to to just be aware that there was a storm coming and taking that as a teachable moment to impress upon all of you that you, that there was sin in your lives that you need to confess it and someone needed to get right. Well, I mean, in, in that, in that kind of terrible environment and, and, you know, middle Tennessee thunderstorms can be quite violent. I, I understand that I've, I've, I've lived in Tennessee for quite a few years. So, uh, but 
when that happens, certainly that can be a very effective moment. And so, so what, what were you guys feeling at that moment? I mean, people were on their, on their knees praying and, 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 and seeking God's word. What, what were you thinking? I, I was, I was kind of just kind of flabbergasted. I mean, I had to be on my knees and I was, but I just, I didn't really didn't know what to think. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't there for that. The whole camp experience was just weird to me, especially when the Smiths showed up right after their boy died. Okay. Was it was now that was that was that two thousand four or two thousand three? Three. Okay. Yeah, it was right after. I believe that was it. Three. We had met them at the Passover that year. Okay. Great kids. They were great kids. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we know that some of the babysitter stories were lies. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Donna Bass lied right to, uh, right to the, right on court. We were watching the court. You know, uh-huh. and we, we were staying with them that weekend. We stayed with the Basses that weekend. And they just bold-faced lied to protect Gwen, not to protect the Smiths, to protect Gwen. The the lawyer had to be hired to protect Gwen, not the Smiths. Right, right. So what, what, did she, what was she saying that was, that was not correct, that was basically a falsehood? What was she saying? And this was saying, and you're talking about the, uh, the murder trial for, for Joseph and Sonia Smith. Is that what you're speaking of? Right. Yeah, it's just the fact that Three days after their son dies, or they killed him, or whatever happened, only God knows that. Um, they were at camp. I was in line for to go to meal, and I turned around, and I think my jaw hit the ground because I was just flabbergasted that they were there already. Wow! I mean, it was three days, if that. Mm-hmm. Was this after they were arrested and then they were bailed out? No, that was before. I believe that was before they even got arrested. Okay. Because I remember Gina saying in in the thing that, uh, you know, they were very close to them. And um, they were. And um, so, yeah, because Jeff was with them right after it happened. Okay. Only Gina was at camp, not Jeff. Okay. What, what did What did Donna say about the babysitters? I remember. I think Donna was in charge of them, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Okay. Um, I mean, I'd have to look up what Donna's testimony was about babysitters, but whatever it was was a lie. And I have a tape. I have the original, the original disciplinary tape. So you you have a copy of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they existed. Those those tapes were out there, and it and well, no, this one was this one was done at like a Wednesday night service, or you know when she would have her little phone thingy there and she'd do her telecalls and her oh Sonia and all that crap, and um that was during one of those when uh, Sonia called in. Uh-huh. So taped from there, and I believe I might have even taped it myself. Right, right. 
So it was after that, like I said, during that, during that, uh, I mean, were you, were you there live watching it or were you just listening to it? We, that one we were just listening to. Okay. We were at Passover when the babysitting incident happened. We were there. We, I was actually in the babysitting area for a while working myself. Okay. I never saw anything like that. I was obviously gone before that because there was too many people. They didn't need us, so we got shipped out. Okay. But you. But I remember that girl, the babysitter, and um, she's absolutely correct. Right. And that would be I'm forgetting her name. Goodness, uh, my mind went blank. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she she was actually in the um, in the documentary. Uh, the way yes. down documentary and she testified and, uh, and, uh, yeah, she, she definitely, and, and what she said in the documentary was completely consistent with what she testified to, uh, yes. in a court of law. So that what, what she had saw was Joseph Smith, um, uh, Joseph Smith basically beating their son to, you know, to, in a, in a, in a very, very heavy way. Uh, well, he wasn't a small man. Yeah, and he, right. He was definitely a small man. And then, and he was, his son was what, six years old, I think, at the time? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, nothing was ever said to them about their weight. Really? I don't think she, no. I know he had lost some, but I don't know if she lost much, but I remember them never being reprimanded. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be somebody that the um, that uh, Gwen and 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 leadership seem to really, you know, like you said, prefer, and um, so they really just seem to be people that that are living perhaps by a double standard at that point, you know, because oh, yeah. they could, they could do no wrong. And it's funny in your testimony, which you share with me, uh, which you share with us, it's it's I've been on online for years. Um, in October 2002, you said you, you, you went to Nashville for a, for a remnant festival and you went to go talk to about your friend Debbie's son. Uh, your friend was, was Debbie was, had come to visit with you and, um, basically had, um, you know, she had, I think a young son at that point. I think how, what was he, uh, I think, I think he was 11 years old. I think he, I think he said there. And yeah, that, um, yeah. And that, and that, um, Ted Anger uh, gave you advice about how Debbie should take care of her son. Do you remember what that? What you, what that you remember what that advice was, right? What he was told yes, to tell. We get everything out of his room. We did nothing with his but his Bible for the entire weekend. Beat his ass if needed to be. <laughs> yeah. We stick for okay. Mm-hmm. And. uh she did that, but she didn't stay much longer after that. She kind of got out. Yeah, right. Well, that's consistent with again with testimony. I mean, he he you tell you you told us this happened in two thousand and two. So apparently, this is advice Ted Anger liked to lean on. That was his go to proverb for for parenting. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's exactly the same thing he told um, uh, Joseph and Sonia Smith. And unfortunately, things went very wrong there at that point. And um, yes, we already know what the history is behind that. But uh, for those who don't know, um, basically, uh, Joseph and Sonia Smith were, were uh, convicted of having uh, beaten their son to death. Uh, that He died as a result of acute blunt force trauma and abuse 
uh, as uh, and then that that uh, uh, the the autopsy of him after he died shortly after he was pushed into a box after a time in that room. Um, I mean, those are sort of things that, that just seem to be normative. Uh, I, like I said, I, I've, and we've consistently said this for years. Uh, we 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 don't believe, and we we never and that that Ted or Gwen told them to beat their son to death. Of course not. But 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 you know, when you give people instructions who may not be entirely stable themselves, they're going to take what you say and over apply it. And I suspect that's what happened. And unfortunately, things got really out of hand in that home. And but nothing was said because they were brave remnant saints who were just misunderstood as yeah. as this came on court. So. Um, what, 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 we, had, we had stayed with several families in Remnant. So I've heard multiple blue stick and SWAT beatings, multiple, multiple families. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> it was something that was that basically leadership directed from top down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so that was something that they really uh really felt that uh was something that needed to be done and then and that's the kind of top down direction cults use they they tell you how to punish people they don't allow you the freedom of your own conscience to, to operate that way to, to just tell you well this, this is what leadership says this is how you discipline them and everybody i think did something differently I, and um do you recall any other in- incidences of okay out of all the multiple times you heard of these things do you recall Recall hearing of any of that also got out, maybe being questionable and maybe gotten out of hand in some way? Never that not to the point of the Smith case, no. Right. But I, I had seen some good work from some pretty young children. How young? Two, three. Wow. So a two and three year olds undergoing that, that gentle art of persuasion. Wow. Oh, yes, they have to sit in service. They don't have babysitters. At least they didn't when I was in. Mm-hmm. You had to, your children had to sit in service and do whatever they were told to do. Right. Right. And, and that was a big, that was a big selling point that Gwen felt that need to be uh, stringently applied because her whole thing was about obedience. Her whole shtick, her whole sales pitch of remnant and way down was that was that you know this philosophy this 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 religion was meant to keep people uh, uh in connection with God, but it was it could only be done if they obeyed. It was only you could only know God if you obeyed Him, and that and that was except the only no way we could obey Him was by obeying Gwen, right, and her leadership. Yeah, right, exactly. Because and, you had to follow her first because she heard from God. If you went to her and said, I got downloaded and you know, and God told me this, oh no, 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 he didn't. Uh-huh. Right. You weren't right. allowed to have, well, because she didn't believe in the Trinity, she didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit indwells in you. Right. So. And why, why remember, it was a long process, but I learned a lot of things coming out of there and boy, is she wrong. Boy, is she wrong. Yeah, right. And what is the difference in, in in your experience? You know what what you went through uh, through the control and through the through the obedience, through the demands for compliance, for the submission you were expected to give the leadership. Um, wouldn't you Wouldn't you be willing to agree with me that uh, perhaps that was their attempt to, to actually take the place of the Holy Spirit 
in the lives of the people there and actually act as if they were speaking for God? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They were the only ones who could speak for God. Yeah. Right. Don't you dare hear from God yourself. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Right. You only do in her leadership. Right, exactly. I remember there was a point, Steve, in which there was a meeting in which you, you, uh, tried to ask them how the book of Galatians and the Old Testament laws regulations could work together. Uh, you were thinking about the verse, I do not set aside the grace of God for righteousness can be gained through law. Christ died for nothing. Uh, I think the point you were trying to make was that, uh, that, uh, the laws and regulations that remnant seem to be creating and pushing and imposing on everyone certainly seemed a, a, a awful long way from what, from what the, uh, the scriptures teach about the grace of God, uh, through Jesus alone. And, uh, if you, if you remember that conversation, do you remember, uh, what happened afterwards when you brought that up? Yeah, I remember being attacked and, uh, I had to go in Gwen's office and I think David Martin and maybe Ted, I'm not sure. Or, or Joe, one of the two was there, but yeah. I was I was terrible. I was trying to interpret scripture myself and trying to make sense of it. And I was questioning leadership. You can't, you know, just like today, you can't question Joe Biden, right? You can't question Anthony Fauci, right? It's the same thing. Control uh-huh. crap. Uh-huh. And so, after, yes. Yeah, so, and then after that, what what would you do? And you know, like you said in the testimony, your your questions were never answered, were they? Oh no, you were just attacked. Yeah. You know, that was the only way they could make sense of it, you know. They didn't want you to understand the Bible. They only wanted you to understand it the way they understood it. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it's so much like exactly what we're seeing today on a larger scale in this country. Uh-huh. You know, they can lie, lie, lie. You, you have facts in front of you, but because they're going to lie, you know, and people are going to eventually believe the lies instead of the facts. It's just, it's mind-boggling. What's, it's evil what's right. happening in this country. Right. And what you'd mentioned... So there's a plan from Satan, you know. It's, right. It's his blueprint. Right. And, and it sounded to me like during that, what led up to that process, and, and if our readers are interested, you, you can certainly find uh, uh, Steve and Betsy's testimony on our website to read more, where they really get into discussing that. But it seemed like leading up to that point, it was it was an issue where everything you seemed to, every, every, every personal choice of grooming and how you looked and what you, what you, what you thought was constantly under fire. Uh, they were, they, and they, you know, they, they understood, they, they found out you were unemployed and they thought you were down to just partying and living, living large off, off of their dime. You know, right. all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, it just seemed like that you guys were under a, 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 a pecking order of micromanagement. Absolutely. See, I, I wasn't just a construction worker. I was a union electrician. Mm-hmm. See, and unions are bad in their mind. Uh-huh. You know, but, the construction trade is you're going to get laid off part of the year. It's just the way it happens. Right. And, I mean, the union would set up a fund to supplement your unemployment because they knew it was a fact and it was going to happen. And that would drive her nuts. Mm-hmm. She, she just couldn't believe that uh, you, 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 could, you could live that way. You just had to be working. And, and it was whatever she, whatever she decided 
was the way things were, uh, was the way things were. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah. Well, you guys ended up sitting in a parking lot for one and a half hours thinking over this. Uh, what, what was going on in your mind at this point? I mean, this really had to be really confusing. You had to break loose from the grip of the cult. They had you convinced if you were not in rim that you were going to hell. Yeah. So that's a pretty big decision to make. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it was basically we had to break loose. Yeah. And that included getting rid of your tattoos. Isn't that right, Betsy? Oh, yeah, I got, I got a few more. <laughs> I've actually got three, and I never had one. Yeah, that's good. I was totally uh, land-based because I had tattoos, even though, to me, when I got saved, my tattoos were my testimony and part of my story, which right. is what tattoos are. They're your story. Right. But to her, oh, no, no. You couldn't have someone like me who had a past uh, taking care of her upcoming young girls or youngsters and that. You know, I was I, I was tainted, so I had to keep my arms covered at all times. Um, so she couldn't go to the swimming pool. Nope, I couldn't go swimming. Yeah, and it's so. I wish you, you know, if you were still here, I would like to stand in front of her right now and just show her me because I have about 14 new tattoos. <laughs> yeah. I'm I sure. Said I really sort of rebelled when we got out for a little bit. Yep. Because you figured, well, we weren't good enough to make it into heaven. We were going to hell, so we might as well enjoy the time we had on earth. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the mindset you left with. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know? I mean, today, even today, and I need to lose weight desperately, but when I start thinking about dieting or anything like that, it's TPSC, but I'm better. Yeah, right. Definitely. And understandably so, because here, I mean, to me, the, the diet became the greatest way that they controlled and they, and they manipulated all their membership. I mean, oh, the, yes, the, it's control. Yeah. Yeah. How much of that did, did how much, what was the, the most extreme portion control you, you, that you engaged in when you were in Remnant? The weddings. Mm-hmm. The weddings and the big events because they had stations set up. And you better not take more than you were. Because people were hovering around and watching and you got a little bit of this or just a little piece of that. And watch where you go eat it so you're not being checked on. <laughs> wow. So that you take that extra bite that you don't need. Yep. So somebody's actually watching and at some point, you know, they would be looking at you and oh, saying, they were always hovering, always. Yeah. You might not have realized it at the time, but when now that you sit back and you think about it and you remember these things, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. You were watched. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you guys. Well, I've been hearing from the later ones that were in and past us, they have to report into their certain little groups now to see if they're obeying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And, and you were at a point in Remnant where that had not quite gotten off the ground. I think there were some small informal groups, but you know, since you left, uh, I think you, you left in 2005 or, or was it 2004? Four or five, I think four. Yeah, I think it was 2004. Uh, since then, you know, like I say, they, they really began to really consolidate and those structures of control, those, the shepherds and everybody, the, the whole, yeah. uh, the whole, the whole structure of, of shepherding was just starting to get off the ground, but you already had enough of their tender mercies for that as well. Um, the load bombing was just getting a bit too much. Yeah, right. And that's what got you into to to actually get there in the first place. Oh, absolutely! It was just a wonderful thing. Everybody loved everybody, and everybody was so nice. Mm-hmm. Then watch out. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Because right through at that at that point, you when you finally get kind of kind of emotionally and spiritually hooked there, then then at that point the uh the the, the carrot goes away and the stick comes out, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So really the, there was no like really long honeymoon stage when you guys were in. You 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 joined, you went because you had you joined, started to lose weight, enjoyed it, went down to Nashville, got and, and from Nashville I believe they turned the charm on. Made it sound like this was heaven on earth, the new the new Jerusalem, and yeah. then you, you you from what I understand you basically kept going back. Uh, you went back and forth between. Did you ever actually live there in uh, in Tennessee? Or- no, we really were going to, but then camp happened, and that's when things started to be questioned a lot. Right. And that's the camp the camp session we were talking about uh, the, the the Zion camp. Oh yeah, there was a lot of stuff that went on at that camp that was just not yeah kosher. Right. And 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 Steve, uh, uh, let's see. There was um, I mean, you were told uh, that you went for a rude awakening with Betsy got at home. What were they talking about? I mean, this was after the Zion camp. What what were they? What kind of rude awakening were you supposed to be getting? They had told you something, didn't they? Uh-huh. It was because I went to, I went to a leader from a different area who we were friends with her, so I thought. Right. And um asked them to talk to Steve as a friend. Just as a friend. Well, no, then that went to my local leadership, and then I got lambasted, because of course it went to Gwen, too. So, they laid into Steve for, I don't even remember what to be honest with you. But right. like I said, that was the last straw, pretty much. Yeah. When somebody got in my face that night and I just said, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The thing was dealing with the Gatkeys, you know, in Ohio is every time we'd have a, a meeting, you, you know she was on the phone within the next 12 hours or so to Nashville saying, oh, they did this or they did that or they didn't lose this or, you know, and if you ever had a complaint about, you know, Kelly, it was too late because they had already heard from her. That's Kelly Gaffey, right? Yeah, Kelly Gaffey. Okay. Yeah, she's she, she a snake in the woods. Is Boy. she still in leadership there? Oh, no. I, from what I understand, she got fat and she got kicked out of remnant. Well, she got asked to sit and say whatever they call it. Hmm. But so she's no longer a remnant. 
I don't think she is. Uh, I don't really know. No, no, I don't, I don't work out, uh, like I said, just so many people to follow. So, wow. Did not know that. Yeah. The one thing that, uh, God did for us is, I, I, my prayer was that if we were making a mistake, Robbie Bass would call me. And Robbie Bass told Dave Zirkel that he went to leadership to be, if he was allowed to call me. And they told him no. <laughs> so it's like, thank you, God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the Zirkles are, are interesting folks. They're, they're great people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're great people. Yeah, well, they never just felt so bad leaving them there. Yeah. Well, they got out pretty soon. Not too long after that, I think. I no, think, not I think, I think, I think, a few um, more years. Yeah, I think their testimony was that, uh, they got so fed up that at a feast, they uh they they walked out in the middle of a feast and jumped on their mi- their motorcycle and took off. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would do. So I I would certainly think that's a classy way of doing that. And they they never went back. They never looked back. And uh and I'm glad that they could do that. But so many other people still struggle with uh the the effects of something like that. I mean, uh what, what was some of the? I mean, I, I mean after after that camp, then that was pretty much you know, like like I said the. Uh, the straw that broke uh, your camel's back there, and then you finally right. decided that that's what you you needed to do. You email local leadership, and then uh, you let them know that you 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 were going to go. I mean, what would you exactly did you say in the email when you said you were leaving? I don't know if we sent an email. Or did we? I don't think we had to. Kelly told us we were out. Yeah, I think she told us. Well, then you're out if you're not coming to church today. And I said, well, fine. I'm gonna go have fun. <laughs> yeah, I remember you writing because that's what you that's what you share was you said you could email local leadership to inform them. Yeah. And then it says, yeah. um, and then almost immediately, your access to all of Remnant's intranet was cut off. Oh, that's instantly. Oh yeah, that's something they just need to do, don't they? Uh, yeah. And and they just need to control the message, control and spin the uh, the incident any way they want to. Yeah. So, and so for for quite a few months, you couldn't set foot in your church, right? And, then, and things just really were were really struggle for you guys. It was. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. Well, for one thing, you you were saying negative things about the church you used to go to. Right. You know, to believe the lies of Gwen, you were telling your local church people you were all sinners and you needed all to repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, to walk back in that door the first time, wow, that was something. Yeah. And, and we uh, met little guy Bruce, and he gave us the biggest hug you ever got, and rest was history. All right. So you found you could go home again, even though it's, it's tough within to struggle with, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it's a struggle. Constantly. We're finally yeah. just now starting to settle down in a church. Oh, really? Good. Yeah. Glad to hear that. Well, Florida, Florida was a whole different trip. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different trip. Yeah. yeah. And you guys ended up moving. You, you left Ohio when you went to Florida for a while to be around with your kids then, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we were down there about seven and a half years. Okay. And you're back up in Ohio, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Great. 
you still see many any anybody up there that uh you've known from your past there or anyone around there? Oh yeah, we still got all our buddies up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about the remnant folk? Are they still no, no, I haven't I think they're still in Tennessee or I don't know if Gadkeys would come back I don't know what they yeah. would do. That's it's, a strange family right there. Did, did, you know, now the, of the of the remnant chapter that existed in Marion, did most of the people move from there to Tennessee then? I believe, yeah. The Sims, that's a whole other story. And the uh, Henrys and the uh, Roos, they all went. Higgins, Layman's, but I think Layman's came out, didn't they? I I, I really don't know. That's one of the, like I said, I, I wish I knew more, but I don't. <laughs> but Oh, I know who came out, Shane Baker. Right, yeah. Yeah, Megan, Megan yeah. has been, Megan's testimony is actually on our website as well, too, and she's the one that worked with us in a, in a documentary, in, in, in the documentary for, for The Way Down, uh, that's coming out next week, the set, part, part, uh, I think, uh, four and four five are coming out next week, and, um, and then, like I said, uh, they, she also worked with me on the documentary that we're we're trying to get off the road here about about the Xenos movement uh, that's right there in Columbus. So um, wow. they're they're just like remnant, just just about about fifty years older and a hundred times larger. And unfortunately, wow. they're, just, they're just as bad. And they and they prey upon college students. Uh, yeah. they, they they create an entire culture of of of, of young families who continually keep the. Uh, uh, the assembly line for new members, uh, through pregnancy going. Uh, so I just wow. seem to be something that they're constantly doing for, but. That but, sounds but, familiar. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it does. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so that's what I was saying. You know, one of the things I've done, one of the most consistent things I've done in the past 20 years of ministry is, is to just address, you know, helping people leaving remnant. But that's been a great education for trying to help people in Xenos. Or any other movement, because you know, because the, the abuse is the same, even though the doctrine and and the and the and the culture might be a little different. Uh, the basic human equation is always the same. People are always, you know, pistol whipped by by elders by leadership, trying to make them feel guilty, trying to make them feel as if there is some there is something wrong with you. Uh, I think that's one of the things you wrote when you guys were sitting in that parking lot. Uh, you actually wrote, you know, you, you decided that all the misunderstandings and all the, and all the critical speech and, and basically abusive behavior you, you had, had to suffer from them at, up to that point was not because they had the issues, but, but you did. You felt like there was something wrong with you. So you gave Remnant that another opportunity because you're being forgiving and loving as you, <laughs> as you felt like you should be. Yes. Yeah. So, well, um, Seriously, uh, that just, that's just a, like I said, a, a very action packed, a very, very, um, just very, uh, um, familiar, uh, journey in and out of, um, a place like that, you know. So, um, in the years since then, uh, what were some of the changes you heard that, that maybe kind of help you feel good that you got out <laughs> or some of the things that some of the things about Remnant that I think that really kind of really uh, alarmed you even to this day I think they were just in just was brainwashing more and more and more and just the total control they had to have over everybody I yeah. mean, uh, those groups that they had to go to and you know 
No, I couldn't have done that. I'm glad I got out when I did. Yeah. That one lady's boyfriend, Gwen's first kid, when she had a boyfriend and he, you know, explained basically what she was doing was salesmanship 101. Yeah. You know, that helped a lot. Right. To know that, you know, well, at least they had a plan. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, Cheryl, and Cheryl did uh, go through quite a bit at that point over that, that she decided to date outside of Remnant and get somebody from outside. And that was such a big issue. You, you couldn't choose for yourself. You had, to, you had to be paired up. I would, I would assume Cheryl would have done better if she had allowed uh, Gwen to pair her up with somebody there. Oh, yeah. 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 That was basically yeah, that guy had Gwen's number. I can't remember his name, but he had Gwen's number. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. You know, you know, to to see it explained the way he explained it, it was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. He he was an insightful guy, even though there, uh, like I said, there was a lot more that was going on there. But he had a tremendous amount of insight, and uh, I'm glad Cheryl Cheryl saw that through that. So, I mean, you know, you saw Michael's uh, affairs. You know, you saw David never lose any, lost any weight, but you know, he was still allowed to do anything he wanted, you know, uh, profit from the, uh, successes of Remnant and everything else and, you know, show up whenever he wanted and when he didn't, he didn't have to. And, you know, it's just so much hypocrisy. You're talking, you know, about, David, you're talking about David Shamblin, uh, Gwen's first right. argument. Right. Right. So he yeah, was overweight too, and, and and nothing was said to him. Well, he wasn't. See, he was a part of the original Remnant Eight, but it wasn't long after that he wasn't into everything she was pushing. Right. And uh, I think when you know had the thing where she was supposed to be submissive to her husband, so that was the game she was playing back then. Hmm. So right. she couldn't tell her husband to lose weight and still be submissive to him, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, and, and you know when David got—I mean, Michael got married. You know all the, uh, you know the, the affairs and his music was just—you know—come on now, this is the only thing we can listen to. This is the only people that can praise God. It uh, wasn't bad music, but but to be the only thing that we're supposed to listen to, nah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a talented musician. Don't get yeah, and he's very talented. No doubt about that. But there was definitely a control factor that this was the only approved uh, psalmist of uh, <laughs> of, of his remnant that you could really could trust, and only his music was the was the purest sound on on heaven that you could hear. Yeah, you know, somebody could take a, a, a psalm and put it music, and that wasn't good enough. But you know, Michael's was. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, it was a little bit at a time, a little chip, and you'd see, you know, some lie here, some lie there, you know. Just at the end, you saw it all. Right. You did see it all. What did you guys think about the documentary when it came out? I think I understand you guys just finally just saw it a few a couple of weeks ago, I think, or something like that. What did you think about you it? I haven't seen it yet. I don't really think he wants to watch it. Okay. I wanted to watch it for closure. Right. Because I need that closure. It was bittersweet to me when the plane went down. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't know how to act for a couple of days. It was like I knew all those people. And 
at the time I had friendships with those, and those people were very sweet people. Mm-hmm. But I know how those people have progressed in the remnant also, and but it still kind of hurt. Sure. It was bittersweet. Sure. Yeah, it was certainly certainly it was a shock to anybody. I mean, we, we oh. no one no one ever expected anything like that to happen. Oh, uh, well, yeah. she got a deal on the airplane. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. all her paintings and everything else she furnished in that mansion, she's telling you about the phenomenal deal she got on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, she got a deal on her airplane, too. It didn't work out so well. Yeah. It was definitely an older machine. And yeah. uh, it, it was much less forgiving in its handling than, than newer ones are. And unfortunately, they learned that uh, the hard way, unfortunately. So, unfortunately. Yeah. So what, what did you think about anything else about the, about the documentary, uh, Bessie? What else? Was there anything else in there that, that spoke to you? Well, the hair comments were pretty funny by Gina. Um, <laughs> because she did an actual half hour on how to do your hair properly at camp when you can't wash it. Really? Oh, yeah. She had, uh, I can't remember if it was Jessica Walters or if it was... Whoever was her minion at that time, I really can't remember which one it was. It was one of the younger girls. But, was uh, it uh, Mina Munoz's daughter? No, it wasn't. No. It was either Walters or what was the other one? I don't so, recall. I'm I can't just... think of I could see her face, but I can't remember. But anyways, I don't even know where I was going with that now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she had her up there. Did you take the blow dryer and you take your rolling brush and, and then you tease a little bit? And, yeah, she did that up on stage so we could all see how to do that. So did, 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 did everybody start doing their hair that way? or? Yes, I was I was at Donna Bass's and uh, oh, it's a tall skinny one's name. Carla. Or something like wow. that, but yeah, we were doing our hair, and she said, "Oh, Gwen said you just tease them a little bit, and then you kind of just." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And his tube was just weird. Yeah. What well, was the time meant to really impose on you this indoctrination of how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to eat, how you're supposed to yeah. fellowship, how you're supposed to interact with people? I mean, that's all Remen ever was. It's just an exercise in micromanagement. They wanted you controlled. They wanted you to look and sound and act like Gwen. And yes, because she's, exactly. And, that, and that's how, and unfortunately, uh, uh, that was, uh, their direction. And fortunately, by the grace of God, that's not where you guys went. I'm glad to hear that. I really, really am glad. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No, we wouldn't be, but, you know, if I can, if anybody's out there listening and they are in remnant or thinking about it or anything that just seems off, I mean, love bombing is love bombing, but it doesn't last very long. It's, it's, it's what's the word I want? It's a, it's part of their procedure. Mm-hmm. And they just, they just want to get you. And then once they get you, everything's going to change. And I hope that people will open their eyes. And take the blinders off. Yeah. And just see Gwen for what she really was. Right. Right. 
I don't right. think I can say anything more than that. Yeah. And 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 that's a, that's that's a great way to to wrap this up. Steve, is there anything else? To, if there's anybody from Remnant or maybe friends that you may know they were there, or anyone else who's listening that that might be tuning in, uh, we're welcoming them. We're glad to have you here because I'm certain that that's going to happen. Is Steve, is there anything you'd like to say to perhaps anybody that uh, you left behind when you guys split? Run. <laughs> Run. It's evil. That's all there is to it. It's evil, and you know, it's it's a designed evil. You got to run from it, right? And I'm so happy I'm not there. That's good. Praise God. We drove through the parking lot of the church with the circles. We had gone down to Tennessee to visit them before they moved to uh, South Carolina, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get out of that parking lot fast enough. The evil I felt there was just. It was, it was just overwhelming. Yeah. It was just an overwhelming fee- feeling of evil just come over us, all of us, every one of us. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Blues Brothers movie or Our Lady of Rapid Acceleration, Don't Fail Me Now. <laughs> you know, I need to have to. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And we're hoping that there are people who are listening, uh, people who've been there for years who've seen the incredible change that's gone on with the loss of Gwen and the, and the absolute failure of leadership there. Uh, there just isn't enough that can be said about that, but we don't have, we don't have time for that today, of course, but uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I'm hoping people listening understand that it's time to think about leaving. It's time to get. Uh, go ahead. Time to get. <laughs> yeah, it's time to get. I mean, uh, it's been long enough that people have, have been there and are hoping something's going to change and somehow that uh, it's going to rise up again and that there are people that have actually been there, leaders who have been there for years who are, uh, who are just somehow still under this belief yeah. that, that, that they're – you know, that their way of leadership, that, that their micromanagement, their control, their abuse of people is somehow acceptable to God. They can't give up the control. Yeah. But there is nothing in that place that brings glory to Jesus Christ. Right. Nothing. Right. And if it's not doing that, run. Right. Period. And everything from Gwen is God and Gwen. Where's Jesus in that? No one can get to the Father except through the Son. Amen to that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And for that reason, it's a it's a it's a good time to think about, or, or it's a good time to rethink uh, involving with a place like that that does not glorify God, but Gwen. Exactly. Very true. So, well, we really want really want to thank Steve and and Betsy. Thank you so much uh, for sharing with us today. And, and giving us uh, a little bit of an update on, on yourselves and what's going on and, 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 and giving your own insights into having been a part of what really is probably one of the, one of the nastiest cults I've ever heard of as Remnant Fellowship, a place that I think so much uh, love was supposedly in, but with, uh, in which a, a place in which the power of love was supposed to be so overwhelming, but in the end it's just come down to a place where the love of power is actually what's being curried. And we're, it's our hope and prayer with you that uh, people will 
we'll, we'll get that and we'll understand that and rethink why they are there. So, um, my prayer. amen. <laughs> amen to that. Thank you once again, uh, Stephen Betsy. We appreciate you your sharing with us. It's been, it's truly been, uh, an incredible, incredible, uh, journey back. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, Email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.